What's going on, guys? This is Dave with the Tents and Tires podcast. This is the fifth episode, and we are here with Matt from iTrack Motorsports. Absolutely, and we wanted to have you on here for uh, a couple reasons. Um, we 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 think that it's really cool what the crossover and and what you bring to this. You are a in the motorsports world, mm-hmm. and um, a lot we see a lot of guys from the motorsports world. Uh, crossing over into overland and off-road and all that kind of stuff uh mm-hmm. i guess just uh, tell us a little bit about who you are what you do and your, your vehicle and all that stuff yeah yeah so uh my name's matt brook i'm a georgia native 28 years old um i am deeply involved with motorsports i own a company called iTrack motorsports we've been in business for about 10 years now putting on track days drift events really anything in motorsports all around the southeast and I've uh, been a off-road fan for quite some time and uh, in the last year recently required an, acquired a 2014 Nissan Frontier Pro 4X that uh, has got lots and lots of goodies done to it and uh, I've been taking it a lot of places it probably shouldn't go so yeah, I, yeah for sure and the funny thing is I knew your truck before I knew you yeah uh, we act that truck actually came to one of our we had like a caffeine octane like overland thing um that that truck came to uh before you had it and mm-hmm. so I, I actually knew the truck first and then we met you guys um at tents and tires mm-hmm. the second one yep. um and I, I know you guys have done a lot since buying the truck yep. um because that dude went hard yes 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 uh charles charles ray uh owned the truck before us he bought it new and took it a lot of places he was a uh, pretty pretty big in the community and um he actually traded the truck in and got a JKU, and sadly, shortly after that, he passed away. Uh, so we acquired his truck, and uh, we have definitely gone through a lot of maintenance on it and a lot of mods on it to get it uh, up to where it should be. But uh, he uh, definitely helped us out to uh, give us a good base to work with. Well, and you're continuing the truck's legacy by going hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's living on in its uh, former glory. Oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, you know, Nissans, there's not many, especially Pro 4Xs, but, like, Frontiers and stuff around that are actually, you know, people are doing stuff, too. I can think of one that I know yeah. of. Yeah. Um, it's – I actually have thought many times about getting a Frontier. There's just I, – I'd never pulled the trigger on one because I, I like the, the pickup truck platform because um, I, I had a couple Rangers, mm-hmm. and I, I really like that platform. But I never actually pulled the trigger on it, but there's not – I mean, how, what's the aftermarket support like for something like that? Um, you know, that I think has been the downfall to the Frontier and the Xterra is the aftermarket support. Uh, for for many years, uh, Toyota's done a great job with their 4Runners and their Tacomas, and there's been a lot of aftermarket support for that. But it wasn't until about 2012 when Nissan really started getting involved in the off-road market. They started adding lockers and doing stuff like that to their vehicles. Um, but I think... What's got them up is caught them up is the aftermarket support is, is not quite there and the interior is kind of lacking compared to some of the new fifth gen stuff. That is an understatement. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think that that's kind of turned people away. Uh, and so there hasn't been a lot of people that have been out there actively off roading in them to show their capability. Right. And I think a lot of people want to get into a Forerunner, they want to get into a Tacoma, but the $30,000, $40,000 price tag kind of turns them away and they overlook the Frontier and the Xterra so often. And it's just as capable 
Um, but you know, you could save yourself ten thousand dollars on the initial purchase. By right. One, so. Well, and part of it, I used to work at dealerships a lot, and I mean, you look at a base model, you know, little well, there's a Versa. Mm-hmm. An interior yeah. has the same feel as the fifty, sixty thousand dollar brand yep. new Titan. It just it's so plasticky. Yep. And not that I really care, but it 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 is something that if I'm spending. You know, thirty five thousand dollars and have that interior. It's kind of uh, like, eh. so it's definitely a problem uh, that they yeah. have an identity problem. And they, there's a lot of plasticky stuff. I mean, I love the Titan. We actually got to take one for a week. Uh, it wasn't the diesel one; it was the the V eight one, yeah. the four wheel drive. And we actually went up with a couple of Tacomas um, up some trails. Uh, gosh, almost two years ago. Yeah, and. It was awesome. I mean, I really liked it, but even even it didn't feel like a sixty thousand dollar truck. Yeah, yeah. you know, oh, my, my brother had a Sierra that had all the nice things, and he paid twenty thousand dollars less than that, and could do everything that that Titan could do. So it's it's really kind of uh, unfortunate. But you know, may, maybe they'll make some changes, especially in the crowded small truck market that is uh, is really emerging. You know, with the now yeah. they've got oh, the yeah. the Rangers back and. Uh, they're doing really cool stuff with the Colorado, the ZR2, and the Bison, and all that stuff. So, uh, the new, obviously, the new Tacomas, which uh, I don't know if you've seen a 2019 yet. They're pretty, yeah. pretty badass. Yeah, yeah we had uh, our our last trailer rental had a 2019 TRD Pro Tacoma with snorkel and all that. It was super cool. He actually had traded in. It was his third TRD Pro in a row. He has traded in every year to get a new one. Wow. So. He's a little, you could say he's underwater. Yeah. 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 No, I, um, you know, I, uh, I looked, I looked around, I looked for forerunners. I looked at my options. Uh, I was pretty open. I did have a 2001 frontier before that, that I drove around for many years and I loved it. And I think maybe that's kind of what sold me on getting the frontier was I was used to the plasticky interior. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost an upgrade when I got into it. It right. wasn't. It wasn't the last year models, um, and uh, so I looked past it. And you know, it doesn't really bother me. And especially when I get the truck real dirty, yeah, I get it real muddy. It's it's very easy to clean up. Right. So uh, it, yeah, it's definitely it sweeping me too panels much. of plastic. Yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> nice. uh, what does the uh, Pro Four X actually have? What's the upgrades that the Pro Four X has over like something you know? Not Pro 4X. Um, yeah, so really the big thing being the locker. Um, they have a little bit better gears uh, than what comes in the factory, like the SV 4x4, uh, the Pro 4X, but the lo- the locker, the M226 uh, uh, rear end is definitely the the one to have. Uh, I mean, lockers are game changers, like I say. But uh, We I, learned that. But that's really it. There's, There's not, not too, too many... many extra things you get the you know like some of the heated seats and stuff like some of the standard yeah. nice options but there's nothing you know too special about it. it's got some stickers on it here and there but um i think it comes with an extra skid plate here or there but i have all aftermarket skid plates so um that doesn't really pertain to me but it i really the locker is the big deal locker and, is and always price, a big deal yeah, yeah. And, and when you look up the price of them a base model 4x4 versus the Pro 4X, what they're going for right now used is there's almost no difference. Really? So it's definitely worth 
just going ahead and getting a Pro 4X. Well, and then also we compare that to a Tacoma or something like yeah. that. I mean, when I was looking for the Trooper, I've mentioned this before. I was looking at Land Cruisers, and there's there's no Same. way. No. There's no way I'm spending eight grand on something that has 275,000 miles. I mean, yeah. it's insane. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, so you really get a lot of bang for your buck. So I'm, I'm all about bang for your buck because I like my money. Yeah, that's why I, like I didn't keep it. Well, that's why I didn't, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to get a GX470. Right. But that was, uh, it was that issue with them being you know, a little bit older and having really high mileage. And for the money to get one with the same mileage that my truck has, I mean, I would have spent almost double what I spent yeah. on my truck. So, I, I, you know, I think, you know, I came out on good end. So. I still find it funny that the Lexus is the cheaper of the two, uh, of the two, between the Land Cruiser and the, and the right. GX, the, the Lexus. You would have thought the <laughs> Lexus would be cheaper than the Toyota, but um, I, I always found that really funny. Um, you know, you, you talk about lockers, and man, especially on the Chattanooga thing, yeah. having lockers yeah. made all the difference. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, because it was so mucky and gross, and, you know, we we talked a lot about that on episode four, you know, yeah. just the fun, frustrating, all that time mm-hmm. that that was. Uh, yeah. We we came through it pretty unscathed, but you know it was it was a good time. We all got muddy and dirty, and yeah, I think everybody learned a lot. Um, I thought yeah, it was cool to see the locker actually work there. You saw a lot of mm-hmm. the forerunner guys. Although I know you talked about it in your last episode about the all trains versus the mud trains, yep. but um, just seeing the lockers work out there, you see the guys, even the guys that were on mud trains, struggling to get through the mud hole without the lockers. Yep. And I was able to get halfway out there, get stopped try to go left realize that yep. was and then from a dead stop in the mud hole continue on right where most people had to have a 20 mile an hour you know i don't know it's definitely helpful in retrospect i should have just gone through that damn <laughs> that, that, that damn mud pit yeah. you know i mean i going up that that little what seemed to be a little ledge was not a little ledge mm-hmm. i mean it was it was quite a nightmare so yeah. In retrospect, if I were to do it again, I would go through that. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no problem. I, I think it would be not not a real issue. Um, but that was, you know, it's funny. I on this last trip, I brought an extra set of clothes. Smart. Because of you. Smart. <laughs> you know. So I don't know if you noticed, I came in here wearing shorts today. Actually, all of my pants are dirty, like very, very dirty from Windrock last weekend. So I had nothing but to, nothing to wear but these shorts. Over. Yeah, because uh, it was uh, slippy and slidey, and uh, I think you took a, a spill all down your leg. Yeah, yeah. I finally just there's actually still some. I tried to clean it off here, but mm-hmm. there's still oh, mud yeah, from yeah. that getting splashed. Yeah, I actually, yeah, there's you can see the mud all over <laughs> here. So. so you know that it, I I'm now I now carry an extra set of clothes every time I go. <laughs> Another thing I, I did learn there also is I I wanted to get into some comms, so I immediately yeah like before I went out again got got a whole comm set up got a CB and. That made all the difference in my last ride. It, it does. It makes a huge difference, and especially when you're going places you don't know where, where you are mm-hmm. um, or with with new people. Um, we brought a big group this past weekend up to Windrock. Uh, a lot of people were new uh, yep. to the area. Some people were fairly new to wheeling. So we got us into a situation where uh, they forked half of our group forked off on a right, uh, thought that it was a kind of an easy loop around uh, a difficult section, and it wasn't. And just didn't have they didn't have the the trail communication that we needed. Right. And uh, we they buried a truck. Somebody got 
stuck, broke something. So a lot of that could have been avoided if we could have just been able to be in contact with somebody. So it's, I mean, it, it's really important. I, I can tell people, if you're going to go wheeling, you just need a few things. You need decent tires. Yep. You need rock sliders, and you need a CB. So. Yeah, I, I I may add rock sliders to the, uh, the the collection there. I, you know, especially after in Chattanooga going up that ledge, you were so close to that tree there that mm-hmm. it would it would you know it'd be nice if I could have just put a rock slider up on that uh, yeah. tree there and just kind of yeah you know gone up, but because we were pushing, there was that that fifth gen that yeah. we were pushing pretty hard on to make sure he didn't destroy his, yeah. you know, very expensive truck. No, man. Because uh, that tree was uh, not not friendly. No, it wasn't. Yeah, and that I, I lean on the rock sliders often. Um, and I'll even get to a section on a trail, and it's very tight, and, and I just use the rock sliders to my advantage. I will kind of lean over on the truck, mm-hmm. put, put the rock sliders against it, cut the wheel, and then kind of rotate the truck around an obstacle. So they're they're definitely coming handy. So Right. So talk about, you know, your company and um, kind of how that it seems to be there's a lot more, you know, the drift world and the motorsports world and all that stuff, how that really expands. And a lot of those guys are getting into – like I think the dude, with the, the dude, with the, the first gen trooper yeah, is yeah. is that He's a drift that, guy, yeah, yeah both so. of them, him and his wife. So um, yeah, I uh, you know the, the motorsports stuff is awesome. I, like I said, I've been racing for pretty much my whole life. I started out go karting and started doing track days, started racing, and I've always you know had this passion for going off road. Like I said, I had a frontier, and it I took that one places it shouldn't have been. Always, and I learned a lot. That's what what really gave me some of the knowledge that I have about off roading. Um, but I've always had this passion. I think that everybody that is into motorsports likes anything that involves you know wheels anything that you're right. pushing a vehicle outside of its limits is always exciting so i think that that's why there's this transition and it's also it's very different we like we like to uh we're a party group i, th- I think the drifting right. community so we, you know we like we like the camping aspect that's why a lot of our events yep. this year include camping um, so we like to hang out, drink the beers afterwards, and I think that the overland stuff, the off-roading stuff, kind of offers some of that. You get to uh, kind of go push yourself and your vehicle to its limits, uh, well, depending on where you're going, but you know, <laughs> right. push yourself out of your comfort zone, explore new things, and then at the end, you, you got the camaraderie of everybody that uh, comes along on the ride and um, you know, enjoying you know the camping and aspect of it. So uh, I think that's why you see a lot of people transitioning over. Plus, it also fills the fills the void between the events. So yeah, I mean, yeah. There's obviously you can't you know, other than like Petit Le Mans, you know, whatever. You're not racing at night, mm-hmm. so you got to do something in in that time. And yep. and also dudes like gear, yeah, and stuff. Oh, yeah. So if you have more stuff, then yeah, that's always cool. Yeah. So you know, the rooftop tents and the roof racks and and half of car stuff in general because I I'm, I come from a car background yeah. and you know I was big into like I was I was in a little different world. We were in the big big wheel world, so yeah. we did yeah. a lot of big wheel stuff. We did a lot of stuff that just was because it looked cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I it's funny that I. I'm so far removed from that now, like, you know, I don't care. But when I, like, I put my CB in last week, you know, I flush them out, it make it look nice, yeah, yeah. you know, because that, that's kind of where I came from. But yeah. dudes just want stuff, especially car guys. Oh, yeah, and I think you see that in the drift community. Uh, 
especially with some of the events we put on, we put a lot on a style-based events. Mm-hmm. Our Site GP series is definitely includes some rules that require to have a good-looking, presentable car. And I think that that's that's half of it. It's you can build the car that goes a very basic car that goes out there and has fun, but. You want to be the guy that had that shows up with a cool trailer and yep. with a cool car, with the cool wheels, the rare stuff that other people don't have, and then you want to go out there and show it off and push it. And I think you know that that's you see the same thing in the Overland community. Yeah. You see a lot of guys that are out there spending big money on stuff that they don't necessarily need. They might not use it, but they got it and they show it off, and that's part of it. Well, and and you know you can strip down a. XJ and yeah. have you know nothing on it and just go do amazing things, but who cares? Like yeah. I was actually talking to a, a guy I know over at Four Wheel Parts, and he's got a, a lifted F or XJ and it has all this stuff, but he has like no doors and all this stuff. He's like, I don't even like like I'm gonna convert it back to more usable. Yeah, because we don't do the camping trips and you know all that stuff anymore. We just go put it on a trailer and wheel <laughs> yeah. somewhere. So it's you know you got to find the balance between having something that's really cool and something that's actually functional, which yeah. is w- why I think Overlandy stuff is kind of cool. Yeah, and I think my vision of what I think a drift car in, in, in at the level of uh, driving that we have here in Georgia for what we're doing, I think I like that vision of a street car, a street based car um, that's got all the goodies, but. You're not taking away from what the car was intended for, right. just being able to drive it on the street. So, you know, you look at my drift car, for example, it's full interior, AC, radio, yep. all the goodies. It's an, I can drive it to dinner, but it, I can take it to the track. It's flashy. It does all the stuff that right. I want it to do. So I think there's it's really important to have a balance of, you know, what to have. And that's why I haven't been eager to do anything more to my truck, like, like put – 35s or right. bigger suspension because I, I like where it's at. It's very usable. When I drive it out west this year, it's going to be very usable, and I, that's what I like about it. So Yeah, and I'm very uh, function-based. Even when I had a, uh, what was it? It was 94 Caprice cop car, you yeah. know, with 22s on it. But in my brain, you know, I had a full speaker system and all that, but I still had, I actually had my speaker system built out where I could put a spare tire on back. You know, so I, I'm i always thinking function. Yeah. So I want stuff that's cool, looks good, and functions well, as, mm-hmm. you know, because if it, it like, I the, the trailer stuff, like, if you just take it to, a, if you just trailer something to somewhere, then you're not really, it's, who cares? Like, that, know, part of it's the adventure. Yeah. Uh, the drive there, you know, I, even when we go to uh, drift events and stuff, I love being on the highway. Yeah. Five, six cars deep. Right. All of us driving on the street. I don't know. There's something cool about that. The drive there, stopping, getting gas, us talking shit, you know, right. whatever. Hanging out at the hotel. All the stuff that happens before that. And I feel like you lose that when you when you build a dedicated rig or a right. dedicated race car. There's your trailer and you got to deal with all that stuff. There's something lost in the adventure of it. And so. Well, it's, like, it's, it's like a, a team versus yeah. I'm doing air quotes a team versus like you know just some dudes doing it yeah yeah you know and it really takes away from just going out and doing it um you know that's <laughs> we talked about like on this last episode about jeeps you know yeah they, they they all have you know go out so deep but you know and but it's like a, a thing you know yeah, instead of just a couple of, it, it becomes different when it's just like five dudes yeah. you know out there just just doing it just because they enjoy doing it yeah. as opposed to you know trying to do something 
Um, so the, you know, you, that, that's been really big. What did, what are you like your, you know, you went to Winrock last week, you know, talk about how, how much, uh, what, what that was like last week and okay. your experience with the, uh, so, so this <laughs> your is, fun. There's some, I will, I will try <laughs> to run through our adventure of the weekend pretty quickly. So like I said, we brought a fairly decent amount of rigs. My wife, uh, Kaylee, her birthday was on the 8th. Shout out. So, uh. So we decided to make a trip up to Windrock and invited a bunch of friends. Uh, had some drift friends that, that came along and uh, got everybody out there. We knew what we were getting into with the rain. Um, so Friday we did a ride up Trail 2, ran some G-trails up to the lookout, uh, and it was, it was pretty muddy. Uh, we lost four-wheel drive in the Trooper, so luckily it's got the rear locker, so it was able to finish out the day. Um, we got back to the tents and we made a unanimous decision that night. Trail 22 is what we were going to hit um, instead of doing it on Saturday. So we ventured out to Trail 22 and this is where things got bad. <laughs> um, we went out with eight rigs. Uh, we made it about halfway when three turned around. Uh, Five of us continued on, and we proceeded to move at a extremely slow pace, uh, winching a lot, working very hard, using all of our recovery gear, um, plus some, to get out. It took us six hours mm. to make it down Trail 22, which we had done solo at night in the rain um, before, and didn't have ever break out a winch, a max track, nothing, and we, we used everybody's equipment for every <laughs> single vehicle, so it was very rough. Uh, so Saturday we decided to take easy trails, um, and that worked out pretty well until we got to late Saturday, and we were doing a run up to a G40 and G6, and... We got to this split, uh, Trail 34 runs into G, G34, and it's a, it's a difficult trail. We knew that it was going to be hard to, uh, to make it through this little section. It was the, the water was running pretty good through there, but uh, half of our group went down. This other group, this half of our group, decided to turn right and head up this fairly easy-looking trail to the right, right, but it was unmarked. And that was where they made a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> so they got stuck. We, we made it down to the bottom. We, we found a flat area, and we, we were waiting for them. They radioed us. We, we finally got communication with them that one of them was stuck. Um, so I made the decision to send the beginner's group uh, off on their own with no map to take, <laughs> take the easy trail, just two, two lefts. Important detail there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got two left to get out of there, um, and we were going to go help everybody else. So we went up there, spent about four hours in the woods helping Ooh. them get out, broke a U-joint on one of the trucks. Love it. Um, did some damage to some bumpers and taillights and stuff like that, but got everybody out. Um, and I came back down the hill, and one of the trucks was that I sent off was sitting there uh, with Kaylee in the, in the Frontier. And... They proceeded to tell me that the 2018 Tacoma went to on a river crossing and the water was running pretty quickly <laughs> and he got washed into the river Oh God! and the truck washed up onto a rock, um, started 
filling the truck up with water. They tried to roll the windows up. The, they got to about an inch away from the windows being closed, and the water was still pouring in the truck. So you can get an idea of how high the water was. Oh, God. No, snor- no snorkel. 2,000 miles on this truck. Um, oh, insurance is going to love that one. So crawl control. Uh, four-wheel drive, locker, crawl control, and they somehow wheeled it out with water about halfway up their windshield. Somehow did not hydro-lock the motor, and they were able to get out, um, and they proceeded to wheel solo by themselves at night, first time at Windrock, second time maybe ever wheeling like this, and made it out by themselves. So That's pretty impressive. So, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> that pretty much gives you an idea of how our weekend went. It was very muddy. Uh, it snowed. We got snow on Sunday, just like you guys did. So yeah, that was it was, awesome. uh, it was an adventure. It was uh, it was like the Chattanooga meet on steroids. I think that's the best way to describe it. Wow, that's uh, and, and again, we, you know, we talked about comms. And by the way, I have now dubbed the Chattanooga off-road monthly meet com. So if anybody uses that. I, you know, I did that first. Calm, that's so good. if you steal it, I did it first. Calm, because it's so hard to say. We talked about it in the last one. I want to come up with an acronym. Calm. It's now calm. It's there right. we go. So nice. I, I've already told them about, it, and they were like, "That's okay." <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just gonna have the whole Chattanooga. Ch- Chattanooga off road is what they call it. I call it calm. I now call it calm. So, so that that's it's interesting. You know, comms are so important. And you know, we went on, we went up to Hawk Mountain this weekend and. It's amazing what, you know, you, you kind of feel more like you're on a, you're, you're not just driving with, driving by yourself in the woods. Yeah. You're, you're with a group. And, and it's funny, we, I talked about it on the, the Tuesday episode, which we're going to start doing. Uh, it's like a, the original group chat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a text message. We're, we were talking all the shit. We had a, a, an interesting uh, event, which I didn't talk about on, um, where we had some, uh, sketchy individuals, which we yeah. had to check out on the trails, which um, is a whole nother issue that uh, mm-hmm. we ended up. It was it was a whole thing. We we now call ourselves the, the mud sleuths because it was. Uh, I'll tell you about it later. It was, <laughs> it, was uh, it was quite an interesting little adventure. Um, but driving in the snow is like totally different. Oh yeah. You know, I, we don't get a ton of snow here in Georgia, oh. and you really have to go up up north to find it yeah uh but it was um I, i've done it in my two-wheel drive uh ranger here around the city but going up hawk mountain is uh something totally different oh yeah um and, and it sounds like you guys had a, a good number of people that were going on on a trail it's we found out later that there was like 40 jeeps that went up hawk mountain the day That's after amazing. we did which is insane because i mean there was five of us and it was oh, yeah. That was a perfect number because, yeah. you know, yeah. that people try to get way too, uh, they get way a little excited about yeah. about uh, driving in groups and that, that that seems to be a problem. It isn't. It's it's hard to manage. I think, uh, you know, the the chat meet guys yep. do a great job, especially with uh, the turnout that they had. Um, it's something I deal with events uh, yep. and we have to pair people in groups and, yep. and logistically work out how that's going to work. So it's hard. And, you know, I think anything over 10, you're, I mean, you're really pushing it's it. And it's work. At that point, you're, you're, you're working, especially if there's a few that aren't quite as capable. Right. Um, or you're going down trails that you're really pushing because, it's hard to, to keep track of everybody. It's hard to help everybody, and you you're, you waste a lot of time just sitting there and um, 
the, yeah, the trail communication stuff is really important. Well, I think we could have avoided and it. even when we were in Chattanooga, you know, you had, we, you, I was right behind you, yeah. and uh, the dude in the forerunner, Michael, in front of us on the freaking log, yeah. everyone in our group had gone pat. You know, they're yeah. already gone. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and, you know, we were like, screw this, we're going to go off to the side and kind of go through the uh, little muck there. Yeah. And he had no way, because I found out later, because he helped me tune my antenna, that he didn't have his... His CB installed. I didn't have a CB. You had a CB, but yep. you know, so it was. Uh, if he and we stopped and made made sure he got out, but that would have helped a lot if we didn't. Does, you yeah. know, we if we'd have known that he was stuck on that log, we could you know come back and and help him. So trail comms are, are definitely well, yeah, that, key. And it, I think what's this is the hard part for I think kind of events like that is that you lead a group down a trail. And then something happens. Right. And you need to tell the next group yep. what's going on. But you're on two different channels. Right. So now you're putting it, it. So I think that they're like, there needs to be some type of single channel that all right. the leaders maybe use. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think with the way that they're going to do their Windrock event, the Big Nasty, and they're not going to do any groups, and it's just going to be like, so everyone can make their own groups. I like that idea, and I'm really excited to see how that turns out. Well, because they came up on us really fast. You yeah. know, we were in that first group, and then we're trying to, we, we did the little turnaround, and yep. we started going back the other way, and then they're already coming up this yeah. way. And then you get someone who's stuck, then we the only way through is... Yeah. The shit way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so it, it was really interesting, you know, that would have helped so much if we all ha- were on the same, the same yeah, page yeah. Um, to, to go through that. But that was, uh, that was definitely an interesting day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody learned a lot, but I had a lot of fun. I, I had, I had fun watching everybody take their nice, shiny, clean fifth gen forerunners <laughs> And not have an option but to blast through the insane amount of mud. Right. Because for me, it took me three days of pressure washing to get that off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can imagine how much fun they were having. There's still Chattanooga mud or East Pittsburgh or North Pittsburgh. Franklin State Park. Whatever. There's still Tennessee mud in my skid plates, and it it will never leave. It is forever ingrained in my truck. Um, I don't even know what... Is Georgia mud and was Tennessee mud anymore? Because it's it's all there. Yeah, exactly. it's all it's all the same. Well, and, and you know what's funny is I thought it was really hilarious that dude was sitting there in his truck and people were <laughs> slamming mud. <laughs> he was sitting there, people were just slamming mud against his brand new truck, and that's kind of why I, you know, I'm like all I like the Overland stuff. But like I'm not gonna go spend fifty grand on a truck or thirty grand on a truck yeah. to have someone sling mud all over this. Yeah, yeah my truck's about as expensive as I'm gonna buy. What you know, and right. still pushing it like I do. So yeah, I mean, and there, I, I always find it interesting that that you know the, the Toyotas are so popular. They're so expensive, Man. and people go out there and just get. I mean, that dude literally had every person's vehicle throw mud on it because mm-hmm. he, he tried to go down that little yeah, lane yeah, and got stuck. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about this on the uh, with Sawtooth Bound with uh, Steven, and, you know, he talked about just don't be that guy. Yeah. You know, no, try, yeah. trying to not be that guy is is really key, and, you know, you can, everyone's going to get stuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just going to happen, you know. Yeah, I think um, we ran into that situation this weekend. Um, 
We had someone that got themselves into a little pickle trying to get turned around, um, which is really what did us in on Saturday. And um, in the conditions and where they were in the tight quarters, I think that, you know, it would have been best for him to listen to what people were telling him. Right. Um, and thinking that his truck was capable of doing more than it is, uh, put him into a bad situation, which made it bad for everybody. Right. And put us out there in the rain and at night. And um, so we were trying to get back in the daytime, so we weren't wheeling in the night like we did on Friday. So, yeah, I think um, that's really important when you're picking your groups, too, because, you know, you can have all these people with all these nice rigs, but the way they drive is very important to what happens sure. because you have a guy with the best rig and he will not want to drive over certain obstacles or not hit anything with any speed and hold up the group. And he has the most capable vehicle. So I think that's well, and, and like this weekend we were on Hawk mountain and you know, we, it was snowy and icy and there we talked about the little rock formation at the yeah. top and, I, I know the limitations of my vehicle. I think yeah. I, you know, I haven't really found them. You know, <laughs> they haven't come wheeling with us. Yet. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll probably find them. Um, but you know, I there was a rock formation, or you could go left. So I went left because you know I wanted to continue driving and you know doing all that stuff. So I didn't push it where I'm snapping something or dropping down yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and it fortunately we had a fairly responsible group of people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was some mud puddle action that didn't affect us then, but he's uh, dealing with it now. Uh, yeah. I, I, mainly the pressure washing later was the problem, not as much the mud puddle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's replacing the whole fuse box, so um, Ooh, yeah, yeah that, that's no fun. But, you know, I mean, it's you got to know when to yeah. say when. Yeah, you, you do. You, and, and I think that's what gets a lot of people in trouble and kind of screws up. We were the we were all over thirty, which kind of helps. I think, you know, there's not a bunch of twenty two year olds running, which is not bashing any twenty two year olds. <laughs> Don't get triggered, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I mean, I think that comes with a lot. I mean, I did a lot of stupid shit when I was mm-hmm. 22 doing burnouts and you oh, know, yeah. all of that stuff that that you you do when you're 22. Yeah. But, you know, I just want we just want to go out, you know, four surface roads and then do some cool stuff yeah. instead of doing, you know, just going or sending it, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. No, and... Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I seem to get myself in a lot of those send it situations. <laughs> but... No, I mean, um, yeah, I feel like we've pushed our truck pretty hard um, and pushed it pretty hard, but it's all been in the right times, and we know right. when, you know, I guess it all comes with experience, but you, yep. you eventually get to the point to where you get, you can come up, you, you go down a trail, you know it's going to be hard, you know you're going to have to push, and that the winching might be an option. Right. And I think what's best is is if you, you can tell yourself when it's time to get out and winch, and when it's time to hit the skinny pedal. Right. Um, for example, this past weekend, we made it through all these sections. There was a few times where we had to kind of lay into it to get yep. through the section. But we made it. And then there was times that I knew, you know, no matter how hard I hit that skinny pedal, all I'm going to do is start breaking stuff. Right. And so it's best to just drive as far as I can, mildly as far as I can up the trail till I get stuck, and then just winch from there. Because it's not worth it, and all you're going to end up doing is making it miserable for everybody else when right. you're out there broken in the woods. So. Well, and we, we mentioned this in episode four, you know, you're gonna, everyone's going to get stuck. Yep. You know, I, I was at a point where... 
uh, going up that stupid ledge that I, again, shouldn't have gone up that ledge. I should have just shot through that, that, that mud rut. You know, I, I tried it three times, and after that, I was like, well, I'm not getting up this. If you yeah. can't make it up in three times, you're probably not going to get up yep. it. So then, you know, someone's pulling me up. That's cool. I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know, you just. It's part of it. It's it's a, it's a, and we talked, again, we talked about this on episode four. It's a dude thing. You know, dudes want to just, like, make it happen. Oh, yeah. And, and it's hard admitting, you know, you got to stop and someone's got to pull you out. But Yeah, how do you think I feel? I'm the guy in the Nissan with all these <laughs> forerunners and Tacomas all the time. And uh, so, yeah, I got. I feel like I'm out there to try to prove a point. But, no, I, yeah, there's definitely a time when it's best to just call it quits. Yeah, you don't. You know, you, you don't want to be, I think we, we even, we referenced this in the Chattanooga thing where, you know, you're like, I actually made sure I put it in four wheel drive. We started going up that, you know, we started getting into it and I was like, oh shit, this is slipperier than I thought it was. I better put this in four wheel drive because, you know, you, I think you said you don't want to be, you don't want to hear all, all that from all the Toyota guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely don't. And that's the thing is, so so now I just got on the Georgia Forerunner page and stuff, so they're all giving me a hard time about of it. Of course and they so, do. So I'm on the page. I've been on there for like two weeks, and then I organize an event to go to Windrock, <laughs> and the, the first truck that's listed is a Frontier, so it's pretty funny, but... Um, yeah, I like that. I like that group of people. They're they're really cool to hang out with. And well, and most most of the people in the community are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're gonna find your your people who are yeah. too cool for school. But you know, oh, I always, mean, yeah. that that that's with anything. You know, it is. Yeah. There, there's always somebody who's way cooler than you and mm-hmm. and and cares. And uh, I I don't really. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually actually liked like the the ride we had this weekend. You guys probably experienced the same thing. There's a lot of diversity. Yeah. I think yeah. there's n- nothing cool about having ten of the same vehicles oh, no, yeah. go out there and do it. You know, we had a trooper, an amigo, which were both Azuzus. Shout out Azuzu. <laughs> um, a Jeep, a FJ, and a Dodge Ram fifteen hundred out there. That's awesome. Running flatland. So it was cool to see, you know, like the Jeep would do would come down and, and be able to do something different that the Dodge Ram would do yeah, and that course, I would yeah. do. You know, they're they're all mm. different and I think that's cooler to me than go running, you know, a bunch of forerunners, a bunch of whatever up because you know they're all gonna perform fairly similarly yeah yeah it's the same way in the drift community and in the racing community nobody wants to see all of the same cars out there you mean the it's, 240s yeah yeah it's, it's like, well, now, now it's become a ton of 350s and a ton of mustangs but but it's cool to see them other than 240s so um yeah i like the diverse group i like seeing people with different rigs right. with different capabilities we had uh, everything from a, an old first gen trooper on 35s to a 2018 TRD Tacoma, um, and pretty much everything in between. 2500 Dodge Ram Cummins. But that was interesting. Yeah, th- he was the one that broke the U joint. So um, <laughs> 37. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's cool having a, a group like that, and it's really cool to get through obstacles. Um, I led most of the trails, so getting to the top and jumping out of the truck and standing at the top and watching everybody come up and right. make it, it's its really rewarding. So, Well, and, and you know, you mentioned you led it because you've been to Windrock a bunch, you know. The, the guy we had uh, leading our group with Eric, Classic yeah. State Overland, he had been to uh, Flatlands a lot. So, yeah. And actually, when we went to Hawk Mountain, uh, Stephen Lash, who we had on the episode last week, he had been to Hawk Mountain a bunch, so you know Perfect. it's good to know. It's mm-hmm. good to sometimes you just have to know when you're you don't know as much as someone yeah. else. Yeah, 
And again, that goes. Everything comes back to dudes being dudes. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes you just gotta chill, chill out, and just let let somebody else who knows better. Yeah. You know, because especially in off road, and especially when you're getting into some tech, really technical stuff, you, you have to listen to what people are telling yeah. you, and understand that they're telling you is is correct. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they're not they're not trying to put you in a bad way. Exactly. And um I think that's something that me and Kaylee do so well. We've been on a lot of solo trips together. Yeah. Uh we did I would say in the last six months, probably twelve solo trips together. Nice. Um through some I mean some pretty aggressive places. And um that's something we've done is sh- she'll get out and she'll spot mm-hmm. and she'll spot me and then I, I can't get it. Right. So I'll actually get out. I'll put her in the driver's seat. Yep. She knows. She visualized what I was doing wrong that was keeping me from getting up. Makes sense. Pool. Yeah. And now I get out. I spot her just to give her some assistance. But together we can work through it. Right. So it's really important to be able to listen to each other because, you know, what? if you start getting frustrated, you start thinking you can do it on your own. That's when you don't think clearly and you can put yourself in a bad situation or even, you know, on the worst of trails would have a rollover or something that's definitely not what you want to do for sure yeah i mean this weekend it was um you've been to flatland and it's it's interesting especially yeah it's not flat uh first of all if you've never been there it's uh rutted and you kind of like alternate ruts yeah some big walls to lean on and, and and literally i mean you're millimeters away from the wall that you know, and actually, that's the only way you can do it is you yeah. get that rut and Falling get millimeter. Fall. I didn't have my seatbelt on initially, which <laughs> was my mistake because I tried to push it, put it on, and it didn't work out real well. But you know, I there was a point where I lost all you know idea of where my wheels were. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like turning all the way to the right, and they're like, turn, you know, go forward, and I'm like, you know, I I thought my my truck was broken because it wouldn't move yeah. Yeah. forward, but. My wheels were all the way right and still all the way to the left. Yep. So, you know, listening to people and, and, and making sure, like, the uh, Kelly, my wife, uh, wanted to wheel after. So, you got, you know, you, um, you've been to Flatland, so I don't know if you, have you ever gone down it. Uh, I'm never down. Okay. So, right before you get to the wall section, there's mm-hmm. that section that kind of humps up. Mm-hmm. And so, she went, we're going down. So, we got through the wall section. And she was like, I want to drive. I'm like, cool. Let's, let's do it. And... You know, of course, it was that section that yeah. right after the wall section, which is fairly technical, especially coming down, because you really have to watch your wheel placement and yeah. and see where you're going. She was like, you know, she hopped in the wheel and you know, went, went to town, and but really the communication where she was like, she trusted that I wasn't gonna screw up my own yeah. truck yeah. <laughs> yeah. while she was driving. But you know that that's the that's a big ego thing that ends up getting a lot of people uh, in, in a bad way really quickly. And yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that I really enjoy about off-roading with the groups is there's, it's a team effort. It yep. really is. You're all having to work together to make it through. Um, and I don't know. There's some, there's something exciting about that. Having everybody get out, giving pointers. If you get stuck, you've got everybody helping to winch, whatever. And your end goal is to make it all the way through the trail. You don't leave anybody behind. And there's something really fun about that. And there's, like I said, something very rewarding about getting to the top and everybody has made it there. Um, and that's really, I think one of the reasons that I like doing what 
wheeling as aggressively as I do because there is just such a reward when you finally get done. Right, and 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 really, like we didn't like when we did our group ride this weekend, we didn't like do a blast out because you want to really pick and choose who you're gonna ride with, oh, make, yeah, yeah. make sure. And if you're going out for like a stock friendly ride, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure that everyone's you know on the same page, yeah. but. You, know, you want to make sure that people are are being responsible, yeah. and we've talked about this all through this podcast, and like keeping trails open and stuff like that by being responsible and and doing things that aren't aren't going to get our our trails closed and prevent us from doing for the, the stuff we want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like we've talked at nauseum about Trey chimney. <laughs> no, I, yeah, yeah I well, think, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I, uh, that's you know, the big we, one. It's that's, I think that's really is right now the big thing. Everybody is pointing to that, and that, that's created a lot of discussion in, in the community. And I, coming from my background, someone that pays a lot of money a year to rent out a facility to right. be able to go drive at, um, you know, I, I have that perspective of it, and I, I understand um, where everybody's coming from. Um, what's hard about the off-road stuff in comparison to the race stuff is you have a gate, and you lock up the gate, yep. and everything's closed up at a racetrack, and so there's not that risk of people doing something stupid. And if they do, it's when an organization's there, and they can stop it. Right. Uh, with the trail stuff... A lot of these trails don't have gates. They don't close down. And even if all the responsible people are doing are not going, For sure. you have the people that are not responsible going, and you have no one coming back around to clean up after them. And that's that's where we're in this kind of hard spot right now. And this is where, you know, like myself, I've reached out to the U.S. Forestry um, and try to be able to do something, uh, organize something to where we can start, you know, making some changes. So. Well, and, and, you know, most people will be in on effort to, you know, I, I Stephen Lash, the on last episode was talking about, you know, they talked for forest service, you know, and they, they have no money to do this. They don't. There'd be a lot of people that would be down to just come help out, you know, whatever you need, we, we got you, you know, and, and unfortunately it's the people that, like there was a, a big thing last week in particular on Trey Mountain that popped up on the Facebook groups. Yes. You know, a, of, a, a, of someone that, a, that a certain, I really didn't want to see that happen a, to him. But a, a, I, a certain I dealership, um, well, local dealership that was out there, yeah, you yeah. know, promote. And, and the problem is that the, the other people that who I actually have met before and have no problems with and all that stuff, but you have to understand that. If you're out there doing stuff that you're not supposed to, there's no defense for that. Like yeah, you can't yeah. just be like, "Oh well, there was no gates." Well, yeah. that that doesn't matter, you yeah, know. And just because yeah. you see other people doing it doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's that's it's hard. Um, there's a lot. It you can't. So you go to the page, you look it up, you type in Chimney Mountain. Yeah. Whatever. You you can't find it. You can't find the closure. It's kind of hard to find. It's right. All, you got to really search to find it, and you got to know what. It, I can't remember what the uh, service street road number is, but you kind of got to look it up by that. And there's no markers out there. There's no nothing. So if you are new to off-roading, right, and right. someone says, oh, yeah, you should go on a ride up this. You look it up. You find the coordinates. You usually don't find anything about it being closed until you post the picture of it, and then right. everybody, you know, flames you for it. And I think even if if we're going to just – if we're going to close the roads – 
it doesn't really cost too much just to put a, put up a gate. Yeah. Just do that, and it saves everybody the trouble of these situations. And you know, I I'll, I will say I have I've been one of those people that have yep. gone to chimney when it's closed. I went um, maybe July, uh, no, maybe it was June, and. When we got there, there was a JKU that was rolled off the mountain, um, and he was upside down. That's down not the good. Mountain. And the, and that's one of those things where it's like, you know, where do we? When when are we going to start putting up gates? If you guys want, absolutely, if you want it to be closed, and you feel that this stuff is going to happen, you know that irresponsible people are going to go here, put up the gate, and then it solves all the problems. So. Which yeah, and and I. That's a fair argument for sure, you know, especially from the people that that run up there and and do that, and they don't know. And I don't have a problem with the people that don't know, but it's the attitude of once they find out, they don't care. They don't care. You know, I have a problem with that. You know, that that doesn't sit well with me because we talked about it on, on episode four. You know, Bell Mountain is paved, and Trey Mountain will soon follow. Um, you know, if they if they if they get the you know, they, they talk about they, they can't get the funding. If they get the funding, why would they not just pave it instead of, exactly, you yeah. know. That's so that's sad, but I think, yeah, I think there needs to be some type of program that's working. I think the T4R experience, mm-hmm. I really like their concept um, of having a bunch of sponsors involved. They do trail rides where they clean right. up. The thing is, is you have so many people that are here in Georgia that would love to get out to the trails as a group and go out there. And go on to these trail rides, drive a mile up these one of these trails, and repair these trails as a Absolutely. group. That would be fun. That would be a fun event to be able to do. Um, you have so many people in so many industries that that own gravel companies, yep. that, that, that are engineers, and, and all this stuff that can come out there and assist in making this happen with little to no cost. And uh, for us to be able to open back up all these trails and, and avoid all of this. We, we, yeah, and I think that's a that's a fair point. You know, people can – I think the I think the biggest problem right now is, in, especially in Georgia, because overland and off-road and, you know, it's kind of a tucked away thing. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not – especially overland. I mean, no one – it's not a thing here. No, it's you not. You know, well, because we do a different kind of overland. We don't do – we don't do go out in the desert for five days. And no, we don't. We yeah. go trail to trail and yeah. then find a cool place to camp. Because we got bad, nasty mud. That's yeah, I mean, because we got <laughs> we got four service roads and mountains and stuff that they don't have mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they have mountains, but, you know, everything here is, is trails and four service roads and all that. So, you know, there's not a, a, a huge emphasis on... On that kind of stuff, so really, it needs to be the community that comes together and, and says, you know, this is this is not okay. And then also the people that are going on those trails, whether they know it or not, they're not do, you're, yeah, you're doing yeah, something that yeah. they're not supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and when they and like the Toyota dealership that posted that yeah, video, which we won't mention, yeah, um, they immediately took it down because they knew they were wrong, and there was other people that were on that ride. That the new better, you know, that that new better, or I mean, if you're in the overland community at all, you know, Trey Mountain's closed, yeah, right, oh, yeah, like oh, there's yeah. that's not up for a debate, you know, it's closed, there's no, you know, so you know that thing's closed, at least half of it, or wh- yeah. whatever it is. Um, so that you know, you really need to, I think, as a, as a community, we need to step up and 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 prevent that from happening yeah. and, and and maybe 
organize or whatever yeah. whatever we need to do something, to, something. To, to keep that from from happening yeah. and keep the you know the the, the 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 roads open and we talked about this again on the last episode you know like the um the uh, was it georgia adventure trail or mm-hmm. whatever it is you know people apparently are keeping that pretty tight-lipped you know about the if you open up those trails people aren't gonna go to Trey mountain because they can you know run up the georgia adventure trail or whatever so you gotta open those other trails so people can not just go to Trey Mountain. Yeah, we need more stuff here in Georgia. There's, I mean, man, there's a lot, a lot of places to go explore here, and I think you know, having options would be good. It keeps everybody off of one single location. You, you look up places to go off roading in Georgia, Trey Mountain, boom, pops up. That's it. That's it. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it. Um, but but then you you also run into the issues with, if you look up OHV parks in Georgia, you the first one to pop up is Beasley, right? And then you go to Beasley and you're like overland rig and you realize like you're in the wrong place very right. quickly and there's no maintenance on that there just needs to be more of an emphasis on on keeping that stuff up or we need to step up with it as a community kind of like we you know in the drifting community we went through a period where there wasn't many drift events here in georgia right. we lost our venue uh there in atlanta city of atlanta banned drifting so everybody went to street drifting yep. and so i I was doing track days at the time, and I saw that there was this gap where we had tons of drift events in Georgia, and now nothing's going on, and people are getting arrested. People that are my friends that were doing it in a safe manner before have now turned to the street because they have absolutely no options. Right. And um, it wasn't just me that, that made a change and, and got a lot of people going back to the track. It was the whole community yep. of telling people don't go do that you're making us look bad whatever and i think if as long as we keep going in the direction that we are um i think that it, it just sets a good image for us and yeah. people will follow along with that well and it's obviously just like anything the uh the loud minority versus the you know vast majority of heard people are doing stuff the correct way yeah it's always the uh, the people who are, there's very few they'll stick the, out like a sore thumb absolutely especially in in, in Georgia, where there's not not much, go, yeah. you know, you, you gotta not many trails and stuff like that. You really, we really need to do a, and I, you know, I, I'm a part of this as well. So yeah. you know, I, we're we're hoping to use this as as a way to maybe improve that. Yeah. Um. In in whatever little way that we can. Yeah. Um. Because the the more places that are open, you know, because next thing, you know, if they pave freaking you know Trey Mountain. Next things they're gonna do flatland. Yeah, you know oh, it's all coming. Yeah, why, why wouldn't they? Yeah, you know because everyone's gonna then go there, and, and and actually my you know my my truck is about as as minimal as it gets to yeah. go go down flatland and yeah. and really oh, yeah. not destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, we've talked about this many times. E- ego and all that stuff. You think you're tr- you think you can do it and you can't do it. Yeah. You, got, you gotta know when you can't do it yeah yeah and um, that's uh that's a problem in georgia man we just don't have many options but um i don't think that it has bec- it, it wasn't noticed as a problem until recently the yeah. community has blown up uh i think social media has played a huge part in the community growing as quickly as it has and we didn't know that we needed more trails we didn't right. know that we needed to repair trails we the, the forest servicery didn't know that they needed more funding 
for these trails because they didn't think there was the demand. So right there, I think we're all very green in in terms of knowing what we need to do and the direction we need to go. But I think people like yourself and some others that kind of bring some structure to the community and, and, and kind of bring us together. Um, I think it's just a matter of time until, um, you know, we kind of all step up and, and create something that can put a, put a solution to our problems. Well, and really it's, you know, looking at ourselves and, you know, accepting that, that we're, I mean, we've all done dumb shit. It's yeah. fine. I, I'm I'm okay with that. I've done a lot of dumb shit in my twenties. It's fine, you know. But it's, it's knowing that and and where you go forward from that is is part of it. Yep. So we always finish the show with uh, two questions. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite place to go? Hands down, One Rock Park. Okay. Uh, it is amazing. I love that place. Because they have a they have like a camping facility. Right? They have a camping facility. They have cabins. They have pressure washers. All the trails are marked. Um, it's just a really really good time. It's like an off road resort. So uh, nice. Yeah, for it's it's nice being able to have a home base sometimes to come right. Back to. Um, what is your dream vehicle off road within reason? We've talked about this before. Like something that you would actually go out and. It, as an as an, like a more of an overland than just like a you know obviously a crazy rock crawler would be awesome but you know no, yeah see I'm not into the crazy rock crawler stuff um, I'm still like this very basic overland guy yep. so uh, I think for me I would love I want I want an SUV yeah I wanted an SUV to kind of begin with so I would probably I would probably I don't want to say I'd buy a forerunner <laughs> but. I, I really want an Xterra. I would love to have a Proforex Xterra, That'd be but cool. really, I want the new Xterra to come out with the diesel that came in the Frontiers yep. in Australia. A diesel Xterra Proforex 2019, 2020, whenever that comes out, that will be my next buy. America hates diesels, so yeah. just uh, accept that. Unless somebody <laughs> has a really good deal on their ZR2 diesel Colorado. That, I'll, that's a good point. They, I'll, I might snag your vehicle if it's for sale. You know what's funny? This is my first SUV other than the XJ that I've ever had. And yeah. I will never buy anything else. I mean, it's <laughs> because you have so much. You know, I really like the truck bag. You can just throw shit in the back yeah. and it's fine. But having an SUV where you can put stuff in the back and it really doesn't matter, you know, it's just a, it's just the cargo area. That makes all the difference. And then you also have that extra weight the in the back. The dog, that's yeah. my thing. We have the dog, so we have that's a room perfect. in the interior. So we have all of our bags and everything piled in the truck, all of our sleeping blankets and yep. all this stuff. And the dog smashes big lap, <laughs> smashing this tiny spot. So if we had a trunk to be able to put all yeah. of our luggage in, the dog would be fine. We wouldn't be so smashed in there. But when we go to places like our the chat meet or when we went to Windrock and it's that muddy, it sure is nice to be able to throw all your crap in the back of the truck. That, yeah, there, there's give and takes. And then yeah. you also, fortunately, you've got that tent on back, which yeah. when I had a pickup, I had my tent on back, so it helped with the weight in the rear. Because yep. that's the biggest problem with pickups yep. is they're so light in the rear and they're sliding all over mm-hmm. the place. Um, so, you know, I... I I love having an SUV. And actually, I take that back. The van is the best thing. I've ever bought. <laughs> yeah, the, the van cool. is awesome because um, you can fit a two by four or a four by eight sheet of uh, plywood yeah. in there, and no problem. And then, yeah, it's it's awesome. I recommend everybody get a van. 
But um, so where can we find you on on the grams and the books and yeah the, yeah um, so the tubes um, and of course I track motorsports. Um, you can find us on Facebook. I track motorsports. Our website I track ms dot com. Uh, also I track motorsports on Twitter uh, and. My personal is Matt underscore Brook, B-R-U-E-C-K. Um, you can come find me, see all the pictures of the truck, and maybe join along on one of these trips and break something yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, if you listen to the last episode, we have officially changed the Twitter. So the Twitter has changed. Go listen to the last episode to figure out why we changed the Twitter because uh, it, um, it was not good. It was really bad. So go go check that last episode out. That's episode four. Uh, you can find us on uh, Expedition Georgia on Instagram, Tents and Tires on Instagram, Expedition Georgia USA on Insta- on YouTube. I'll have to check that. But just type in Expedition Georgia on YouTube, uh, Expedition Georgia on Facebook, Tents and Tires on Facebook. We have a lot. Um, we have an Expedition Georgia Facebook group, and search Expedition Georgia on Facebook on Twitter because I forgot why I changed it to. Um, and we will, uh, thanks for listening and we will catch you next week when we will talk to, I don't know yet. So um, thanks for listening and thanks for coming out guys. And yeah, uh, man, I we- appreciate you having me on. Also, I forgot to show, uh, give this out here. February 15th is our next drift events a Friday night. So guys come out linear race plex. It's pretty cool. You can park your truck track side park and set up a grill. So it's, a can you time. drift your forerunner? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. All right, guys, thanks. Appreciate thanks. it.